Okay, so let's talk tech, as a matter of fact. Our tech expert, Carmi Levy, is here for Tech Tuesday. Good morning, Carmi Levy. Hello, John Moore. Great to be here. All right. So I guess I had the comfort in the past of knowing that whatever spam I received was at least written by a person, even if sometimes it was in ham-fisted English. Now AI is writing our spam? Yeah. And uh, and it means you're going to get more spam and it's going to be better spam. Uh, the, the University of South Florida, there's a, a, an institute there called the Advancing Human and Machine Reasoning Lab. And they've done some research into it and they're finding that it's almost like an arms race between those who send out spam and the technology spam blockers, security software that is used to block it. And apparently the uh, the spammers are winning because we're leaving all this information out there. We post stuff to social media. We share stuff on the web. Uh, and of course, artificial intelligence goes out onto the open Internet, grabs all this information, and then it's able to write even better spam. You know, we, we all know, oh, it's from a Nigerian prince. We're not going to you know, we're not going to answer that. But what if it looks like it comes from someone real and it includes personal information about you and it's written in a voice that kind of sounds like someone that you know you're probably more like first it's more likely to get past your spam filter second it's more likely to convince you that oh you should respond to this because it looks like a legit email so it's getting better and it's getting past the spam filters and uh unfortunately we're not in a position to really do a whole lot about it spam filters are using ai as well but there's the research shows it's kind of losing the battle and we have to be better when these things pop in our, into our inbox. Read it and recognize that it's coming from something iffy and say no to it or just delete it. Okay, so we have another AI story, and that would be about uh, corporations, mostly, I have to think, that would use AI to respond to messages. And apparently it doesn't make a positive impact on consumers. Yeah, that's because if people think that you are using artificial intelligence to respond to a message, they are. Le the research shows that it's more likely that they will perceive it negatively. So, research out of Cornell University, they tested the you know the smart replies when you when you send an email back and it sort of suggests you know why don't you just click here instead of writing it out yourself. And they showed that when people think that you're using that, uh, they are less likely to, to perceive it positively. In other words, uh, they'll they'll see it in, in a negative light and they'll be less likely to actually do what you want them to do uh, and of course that is kind of a problem because more and more of us are using smart replies and if you notice they're showing up not just in your email but in your text messages yeah. in social media direct messages and pretty much everywhere else so bottom line it may make life more convenient but it's going to get people ticked off at you it is interesting how many companies use computers and AI in order to handle their clients. I mean, I had a thing a couple of years ago where I was going to Ottawa and I wanted to get in touch with my rental car company and they told me, well, do it by text. And then I asked a question about like, okay, it's Canada Day and the downtown precinct is going to be blocked off. Am I going to be able to use my car in the downtown? And the computers were like, I don't know. I, I can't. I have no idea. <laughs> they just said, please, please phone us. <laughs> Conceivably, the AI will get better over time so that it won't be sort of flummoxed when when it runs into a, anything more than an incredibly simple question. It will improve. But I think there's a I think the research is starting to show there's a general resistance among people. I don't want to talk to a machine. I want to talk to a human and businesses. If you're out there listening, I know you are. This is an opportunity. I think people are really starting to get tired of of, of sort of you know being in a machine led world. I think there's room for humanity here, no matter how good the AI gets. 
uh, you know, we're not obsolete yet. Uh, and I think that the research is really starting to bear that out. Proceed with AI very carefully. Some people might snicker at the idea of making a movie about BlackBerry, but let's not forget there was a very, very fine movie about the evolution or the creation of Facebook. So maybe this one's going to work. Absolutely. This is coming out in May. It's called Blackberry. It's based on a, on a novel that was written by uh, Jackie McNish and Sean Sokoff, two journalists from the Globe and Mail. And it's, you know, people who've seen it so far, and I, I of course, I covered Blackberry back in the day. This was one of the first big stories of my tech career. Uh, and I knew a lot of people who worked for the company, and, and they've seen some early screenings. And a lot of them say, a lot of it is true, but it's kind of over the top. It's There's a lot of Hollywood sheen to it. And even Jim Balsilli, uh, who was the, C, the, the co-CEO for a while, of course, the bombastic guy, uh, uh, you know, that, that everyone loved to hate. Even he says, he goes, like, like I'll own it. I, I, you know, I see a lot of me in it. Yes, it's Hollywood, but I'm okay with that. Uh, but that's the thing. This is the quintessential Canadian tech, you know, you know, rags to riches to back to rags kind of story. Uh, you know, Black the BlackBerry implosion generated headlines for years. It really did define us as a global tech player. Uh, and now it's being used as an example in business classes of what not to do uh, when, you know, you want to have an act to what not to do when the technology landscape changes around you. So absolutely fascinating movie. I've marked May 12th on my calendar. I want to be one of the first ones to see it. Um, because, you know, as a journalist, I, I, I think I need to. As a Canadian, I think we need to. It's very rare that we get movies like this that point the lens back at Canada. Uh, and even if even if you, you had a BlackBerry back in the day and you kind of wondered what happened to it, this is a pretty cool movie to, that, that might answer some of those questions and entertain you in the, in the process. Early reviews are super positive. It's a lot of fun. And speaking of business models that have evolved, probably an awful lot of people have forgotten that Netflix started by mailing DVDs out to people that they would watch and then mail back. And that's coming to yeah. an end. Yeah, that kind of makes me sad. So if you go to DVD.com, that's it was the DVD by mail service. It started in 1998, very quietly. Uh, and Netflix only started streaming in 2007. A lot of people forget that. And they sent out a, a tweet as well as an email to subscribers saying that as of September 29th of this year, they will no longer be sending out red envelopes. Uh, you will no longer be able to select uh, DVDs remotely and then have them send it to you by uh, by by regular mail. Kind of sad end of an era. No, it was not available natively in Canada, but if you lived in a, near the border and you kind of knew the ins and outs, you were able to get access to it. I'm not disclosing anything here. Um, but the the sad thing here, John, is is that we're losing access to something special. So it's another channel that DVD that we use to to access DVDs now. Increasingly, a movie isn't an experience. There's no uh, there's no director's commentary. There are no special features. It's just something that you click or tap on a screen. There's no anticipation. Uh, and a lot of smaller titles that you really can't find online because, let's face it, online catalogs are a lot smaller than traditional catalogs. Uh, those small movies are now going to fade to black and it's going to become harder for you and I to find them and harder for smaller independent producers to have their movies seen. So we gain something, but we also lose something in the process. And it really is the end of an era. And I'm just a little bit verklempt about it. Okay. Carmi, thanks so much. Good to have you this morning. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. And if I remember correctly, with 
Netflix in the early days, you would map out, you'd make a list of titles that you wanted to see, and they would just mail the one that they had on hand at the time. And then you have, remember the experience of going to Blockbuster and wandering up and down the aisles and thinking, yeah, I like that movie, but not tonight. I'd want to see, no, but not tonight. And then you'd phone home and you'd negotiate and... All that stuff is behind us. We just spend a half hour scrolling through a streaming service, again, with the titles we don't want to watch.